Hey, and welcome to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the eighth episode of Riverdale Season 3, Outbreak. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I'm joined, as always, by Kirsten McInnes, who is not feeling well today. Kirsten, how are you doing? Yeah, other than the fact that I'm literally dying, I'm doing great. Um, so I might not be as upbeat and excitable, uh, but I'll try to make it through. I'm very excited because I've got my Riverdale Recap Kowski Cast mug that you made for me, and I'm that really is making me feel a lot better. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I thought you you might want a little present to cheer you up. Uh, sorry, everyone, that this episode is coming out so late, but we figured it's the mid-season. There's nothing else coming out this week, so it just extend the love so you're not waiting for it. No, I will take full responsibility for the delay in this episode. I have been moving and dealing with just a lot of stuff, and it led to this getting delayed a few times, and I am sorry. You know what? A three or four a day delay is not nearly as bad as the um seven or eight weeks that my sister and I took off in between our um our revenge podcast when I was moving so I think it I think it's all fair when you're when your life gets crazy things happen well we're back now and that's what matters we are (laughs) and we are back for a pretty eventful mid-season episode, I would say. I I saw a lot of the previews going into it, so I knew some of the topics we were going to hit on. I knew that Jughead was going to see his mom, but I really didn't guess that this was going to be such a big episode in all of the character plot lines. Pretty much everybody moved the plot forward. We didn't really have anyone staying the same at all. Well, and the plots, it's not like they just jumped forward a little bit. I feel like it was huge moves in every single direction, and I am at a loss to predict what's going to happen next, to be completely honest. I'm very confused. Well, let's see. After we go through the episode, maybe we'll have some predictions. But yeah, right now... I hope so. (laughs) It's been so many days since I've watched it. I definitely need a recap myself. Fortunately, you have extensive notes. (laughs) Exactly. So once again, second week in a row, going strong, we had another Jughead voiceover. Although this one, it was the first time in a really long time I've been hit with like, Jughead, how are you having a voiceover so far away? It made sense when it was about him writing about Jason Blossom's murder because he's there in the town and you can kind of guess that maybe he's writing this book slightly after the fact of understanding things. But at this point, he's he's on the road with Archie. Like, he doesn't know that all the cheerleaders are having a mass seizure. I'm confused. I'm honestly so confused. So, yeah, we had this crazy event in the school, and I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures online about how the cheerleading uniforms have changed from the first season to now. I thought it was pretty humorous. Wait, they definitely how are they are, different? They're just, part of it might be whatever the time period. Well, I think, I, I don't even know what time of year it's supposed to be right now. Is it winter yet? Probably. I mean, but they're, has they're it been Halloween like, yet? No, <laughs> good point. So we, don't, <laughs> we don't know. It's it's still sometime early October, I guess. But we have a, a little more skin showing, I think, than we did in the first season. It was nice and wholesome with their long sleeve shirts under the cheerleading uniforms first of all riverdale has never been wholesome so if anyone's upset about that they can go i don't know suck a rock or something and second of all yeah riverdale's about sexy people so obviously they're gonna show skin and if people are upset about it get over it (laughs) 
I just watched the finale of season one with my sister and my mom, and my dad was also in the room. Possibly my brother. I don't remember if he was still there wow, at the, the time. the whole family. Yeah, a whole family event. And I, I forgot how there's like a double makeout sesh at the end of that at the end of that episode, but it's it's fine. You know what? We watch uh we watch Game of Thrones together and stuff, so it's you know, we're all adults, but it's just weird still with your parents. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, like, I feel like my dad watches the 40-year-old version every time it's on TV, and then you'll just, like, be in the room, and you're like, why are we watching this? Why am I watching this with my dad? I I don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't think any of these kids in this show would be down to watch anything like that with their families either. All of the cheerleaders, except for Cheryl, have a mass seizure like I said, we also have a weird scene where Moose and Kevin are making out, so at least they're back in the episode, but they're also taking fizzle rocks, which is kind of, like, okay, even if you can assume that drugs are taking over the town, they're in school. Like, are people just casually taking drugs in school? Is this the South Side High all over again? I think that uh, more people do drugs more casually than you think all of the time. You know what? I'm innocent, and I like to believe the best. And, you know, if if you want to do drugs on your own time, that's fine. But there's still still juniors in high school. Yeah, they're 15 years old. I don't know. Obviously, Hiram's evil plan has removed the wholesomeness from Riverdale High. First, the cheerleading uniforms, then the hard drugs. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, uh, this week, we are back... At the Sisters of Quiet Mercy with Benny. And from the end of the last episode, when we saw that she had taken the Fizzle Rocks and met the Gargoyle King and seemed to be hallucinating and all that, I was really thinking that it was going to take longer to get real Betty back. But nope, real Betty back pretty much just from the beginning. Immediately, yeah. It's like they just figured it out right away. The girls... Along with, you know, Betty and Ethel and everyone else who's there. There's a short-haired girl who we see a lot, but I don't think we've really gotten names for any of these other people. They're playing Griffins and Gargoyles, and it's sort of narrating the seizure. They say, you know, your group is affected with poison. And that's at the same time that we see all the cheerleaders laying on the ground. We then see that Betty takes her candy and then vomits it up. I'm glad that we at least see that she's come up with a method here. She's not been so taken in that she, uh, you know, has forgotten what the candy really is. Yeah, I'm so relieved because the end of the last episode when she just looked totally crazed and terrified, I was like, well, crap, Betty's going to be at Sisters of Quiet Mercy for the rest of the season. And like, when will she figure it out? And no one's even coming for her. So very relieved that she figured this out. Which apparently is what her mom wants anyway, because we see Alice comes to visit and is appears to be all excited that Betty is safe and sound here. Yeah, like, oh, look, they'll keep, they're will keep they keeping you safe, just like they kept me safe and kept uh, your sister safe. No, no, you're delusional. Your, your sister was not safe. Betty is not safe. Nothing is going well here. Yeah, I, I just, it's so bizarre to me that this town just has a convent where they send troubled youth and nobody ever talks about it. And we know, we, we kind of got confirmation this episode that Betty is in specifically the ward for people who are insane. She's in the asylum section here. And we've got, we know that there's at least three areas. We know that there's the child pregnancy 
corridor. We know that there's the section where Betty's at. And then we know there's the gay conversion area as well. Here's the thing. I could kind of get behind, well, not get behind, like understand the theory of a convent, like taking in teenage like pregnancies or even working on gay conversion. I feel like that's very realistic. What? In what world is a convent where people with mental health issues would go? Like, I just, what year is this set in? Well, it seems more like it's just the place where parents send their kids who they don't want to deal with. But, like, I feel like that just doesn't make sense. I feel like there are better places to send your children. I don't understand. Yes, there are clearly better places. I don't know how this place has not been shut down yet. (sighs) It's very heavy sigh. Because they are... Uh, working with very corrupt politicians and business people. That's why they're not shut down. It's the lobbyists. Yeah. So anyway, Betty then starts bragging about her relationship with the Gargoyle King. And uh, Ethel seems jealous, which I think was the entire point of this conversation. Um, She goes on and on about how she's the new favorite. And then sweetly tells Ethel that they can go talk to the king together. Ethel being so upset is, like, my favorite part easily of the entire episode. When Betty's like, oh, yeah, he told me I'm his favorite. Like, we can go see him. It's fine. She then locks Ethel in with the king and tells her that the candy is drugs that cause hallucinations and that once they wear off, Ethel will understand because Betty wants to convert Ethel to see the truth. Now, my question here is, when do you think Betty figured this out? Because I think probably the first time she went in there after they had forced the drugs down her throat, she truly hallucinated that the king mm-hmm. was in there. When do you think that she just – are all the kids regularly sent to the Gargoyle King? Is that what you think happens? And she just realized, oh, it's literally just a statue? I Honestly, I don't know. And I'm trying to think, like, how much time actually passed between the last episode and this one? Because there had to have been at least – a little bit of time passing for her to to make that transition? I, I don't know. Well, I have a theory about how much time has passed, and we can get to that okay. when we get to Perfect. the Archie Jughead section. Sounds I have an idea. Good. Okay. I'm sure you'll be really pleased to hear about it. I, I'm always pleased to hear about anything you say, Mary, except for when it's ship names. Um, okay, don't tempt me. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems like this worked pretty quickly on Ethel. She seems, even though, and, and here's the part that I don't get, is that Ethel seems fully convinced at this point that the Gargoyle King is all made up, at least within the confines of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Because both Ethel and Betty did see the Gargoyle King out in town before they were ever taking fizzle rocks. So that means that she's not trying to convince Ethel that he's not real in some capacity, but at least not here right now. Well, and like when they go in and look at the actual statue, I was like, are you kidding me right now? I give me as many drugs as exist. And I, there's no way I'm hallucinating that statue into something scary. It was like the most wholesome like, creepy church statue I can imagine. Well, the part that doesn't really make sense is... Any of it. I don't know why, and I don't know how much we're supposed to believe with this, because we only ever see, see the Gargoyle King through the, you know, vision of, like, one or one person at a time. So for all we know, they all picture the Gargoyle King looking differently. But, like, as the viewer, we always see it as this big twig monster. It's, the you know, the same shape every time. So maybe people are hallucinating it differently? Like... 
Ethel's, you know, love board thing, it's a picture that looks much like the statue. So we don't really know, is that what it looks like to her? And also, how do you hallucinate someone talking to you in, like, whole conversations? I'm sure that that's a thing, but I just, I don't experiment with drugs, so I don't know. (laughs) Oh, really? I just, I assumed that you would try any drug. Yep, that sounds exactly like That's the like vibe me. I get from you. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Betty and Ethel come to the conclusion that what they really need to do is get sister, sister Woodhouse because she seems to be in charge of everything that's going on. And their brilliant plan is basically just Ethel distracting one of the sisters for a hot sec. And then Betty goes up behind Woodhouse with like a stick that she sharpened. With a stake, like she's a vampire. Right. Okay, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure last episode, Betty was outside working in the garden with, like, some garden shears or something. Couldn't she have gotten those, like, a more more lethal weapon than the stick? I mean, in theory, yes, but I feel like it... the image of someone holding a sharpened stick up to someone's throat is just more compelling than garden shears. I guess. God. <laughs> anyway, so she takes, you know, Sister Woodhouse to the king's chamber. Yeah, I've got, I've dropped Gargoyle. It's just the king now. He's the king. Yeah, he's the king. Betty says, you know, that since she's seen real darkness, that's why she can't be broken by this whole thing. Also, because Betty is, like, not actually mad in the same way that probably some of these children are like some of these children probably actually do have some sort of mental disabilities or stresses um and i don't really think betty does in the same way no like betty's more or less fine then we get just immediately and you know we're only part way through the episode but we get a confession straight from sister woodhouse saying that the game was created originally in this asylum, that children created this game in order to deal with their madness and, you know, to cope. And they created this monster, which seems a little bit... Like, I can understand it creating a game scenario or, like, a fake world, but the fact that they created something that scares them... But I, I've never really quite understood, are they are they afraid of the Gargoyle King or do they respect him? Well, seems sort of like both. I think they fear how much they love him, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but, like, the thing is, is, like, okay, cool, they make up a game, whatever. But, like, when the parents found the game manual... Like, this is, like, published manuals, where did that material come from? Like, did someone get out of Sisters of Quiet Mercy and then just, like, mass produce the game through another company? Like, I don't... That's all I can assume, is that someone got out and either them or someone they knew ran a board game company and they created the game from that. It just doesn't make any sense. And then somehow Hiram tracked it back to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy and decided that's where his plan began. Well, like, did Hiram ever have maybe, like, a female relative who was in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy? I could see that. But it seems like, it seems like that it's only even in this particular section of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, you know? So they would have to have been in the, you know, the mad children ward. I don't know. Plus, are there only girls here? I don't know. Well, yeah, it's a convent. Yeah, but we definitely saw guys, I mean, we know Chick was there. Like, we know he was left there. Yeah, which that just doesn't make sense. Maybe there's another area for children of like just an orphanage. Kids. Yeah, because I, initially I sort of thought the Sisters of Quiet Mercy was an orphanage, like when Polly was originally sent there. But 
you know, again, I'm getting that from the concept of Harry Potter, where you can just go to an orphanage and have a child. Tom Riddle, by the way, in case you're wondering. Wow. I can't believe you'd say his name. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, Ethel and Betty then plan to escape, and it's a pretty easy plan to begin with, except Sister Woodhouse does have a point, which is that the children don't want to escape and that they're safe here. And that's pretty much what they find out when they talk to these girls. Then it takes them like one second to realize, oh, let's use the game to get them to escape. Now, if I were these children, I think the second someone tries to convince me to do something I don't want to do, you know, like they say, let's escape, we're free. The children say no. And then they come back one second later and is like, oh, we're going to play a game where we're going to escape and become free. I would be a little suspicious. Yeah, but these people have been heavily drugged and probably have other concerns on top of that. So they might be like slightly more malleable than the average teen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they decide the most perfect plan, which is the mother effing Griffin Queen. And by mother effing, I do in fact mean mother fallacy Griffin Queen. Ethel is telling this story and Betty comes out and is like twig queen head to toe. I don't know where she got the cape. Where did she get the twigs? Where did she get the twigs? And I think there's, like, yarn hanging from the twigs. When did she have time to do any of that? I don't know. What arts and crafts nonsense is this? Also, as far as I can tell, they locked up one person. Where are all of the other sisters? Weren't there tons of them? I feel like it's, like, an like an alien movie where it's like there's the queen alien and you just have to stop one to stop all of them. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, it works really easily. They all just escape. They don't even seem to really play any game. Ethel's just like, oh, and then we escaped. Also, they throw down the head of the statue, the gargoyle. How in the world did she cut the head off of the statue? Like, even if she had found a way to push it over... The likelihood that it's going to break in that way is just ridiculous. Well, and, like, what was the statue made of? Like, if all they have to threaten people with is a sharpened stick, like, what do they have that could cut the head off a statue? They probably went and found those garden shears. I don't think garden shears would even do the trick. You know what? We could just, we could just assume that I guess maybe, we just have to get over it. Yeah, maybe they made it out of paper mache. So, all the kids escape... And I will assume that she went and let everyone out of all of the sister of quiet, sisterhood of quiet mercy. Sisterhood? No. No, sisters. Yeah. <laughs> sisters of quiet mercy. And not just the ones in this particular wing. Where are these kids going? They don't have families, or maybe they do, but I don't know how they're going to get mean, there by walking. They have families that were totally comfortable leaving them at the convent, so they don't have anyone great to go back to. I just really want... Here's my first prediction. First part of next episode all the kids all like 300 of them are just somehow crammed in the bunker that would be great or they'll have their own tent city oh right because we need more tent cities whose house are they going to be behind this time i mean betty's house yeah betty's house is right next door to archie's house (laughs) so both tent cities could just be right next to each other yeah (laughs) anyway so all the kids i don't know how they're physically going to get anywhere but that's especially the pregnant ones yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is just, they've got just so many people to deal with at this point. Probably a lot of them are also addicted to fizzle rocks at this point. I don't know if you can get addicted, but I assume you can. I Well, depending on what drug it is, like, I'm assuming it's some kind of opiate, so highly addictive. Like, here's a better plan. Maybe it's just me. But 
Sisters of Quiet Mercy, probably his food, shelter. Like, you just need to take over the place. Lock up all the sisters. You don't need to, like, leave. Like, Betty can leave. But you just need to take the place over so that the people can keep living there. It's nighttime when they escape. They have no homes. No beds to sleep on. Well, like, I, why didn't they just kill the nuns? Well, I'm, I didn't even necessarily say And just turn them. it into a commune, like the farm. Because we can't have that many deaths in one episode. I mean, oh. why not? Maybe they'll all go to the farm. That's a good point. Is the farm in Riverdale? I mean, we'll get to it, but well, Riverdale doesn't seem to be a place where you can now get in and out of. So. Yeah, if the farm's not in Riverdale, then no one's going to the farm. Yeah, no one's seeing Polly ever again either, but, you well, know, we you never know see her What's anyway. The- is it a loss? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on. That was pretty much all of the Betty plotline. Really, it, it felt like it took up a lot of the episode, but it was really fast-paced, and there was not any conflict. This could have been split up in multiple episodes. Could have been episode number one, get Ethel on your side. Episode number two, get all the kids out. But... Instead, we just rushed this, so I'm not complaining, you know. I'm tired of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Let's get them out of there. Let's burn that convent to the ground. Yes, let's try. Kill the nuns. (laughs) So now we've got the Veronica section, which she wakes up at her parents' house because... She had a seizure. Right, and she's back home. At first, when she was like, how did I get here? I thought she meant, like, how did I get home from school? But I think then she meant, like, how did I get... I, I live in the speakeasy. Yeah, she's like, I don't live here. I'm 16. Wouldn't it have been great if, like, Pop was somehow her guardian and he had just taken her back to the speakeasy? That would have been hilarious. Well, what would be great is if she was an emancipated minor. Right, because we have multiple of those, probably. Like, well, I feel like it's Cheryl. not that difficult to do in Riverdale. So, I mean, she owns yeah. three businesses. I was crying when Hiram's like, you've been working yourself so hard owning three businesses and going to school. And I'm like, first of all, this bitch has not gone to school in decades. What are um, the three businesses? Like, she well, owns she has the diner. She and the speakeasy. What's like, the third one? Is it the one night of casino night we had? Does that count as a yeah, separate business? I have no idea. Like, it doesn't make any sense, and also it doesn't seem like she really works that hard. So, uh, no, that place never seems busy at all. Like she needs to cut her losses. She really does. So Hermione and uh, Hiram want to ship her off to New York, which is kind of hilarious because, like, the idea, like in real life, parents would be able to do that but veronica just kind of laughs it off it just it just seems to like roll away so fast like okay guess we're not doing that then like we oh, tried our 15 year old daughter said no cool guess we're not doing that because parenting means giving in at every point but just look at this how bizarre this is they want to ship her off to new york Despite the fact that she has multiple businesses. So she's an adult enough to be running businesses, but, like, realistically, yeah, she's not emancipated. Her parents can just kick her out whenever she wants. That is not good for business. She needs to tell Pop, like, hey, just so you know, at any second, like, our cash flow could completely cease. And, by the way, you own three businesses now. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. If Veronica doesn't want to let her parents pay for her to go live in New York, they could pay for me to go live in New York. That would be great. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, you know, just think of all the donuts or what was it? Cupcakes that Veronica was always yeah, getting from gonna there. Yeah, she's going to go to the city and get cupcakes and then take them on the 
bust it with all the prison widows. Oh, yes, exactly. Reggie says Veronica's dad is pulling the Jingle Jangle off the market and replacing it with Fizzle Rocks. I think it's hilarious that we've been talking about Fizzle Rocks for three or four episodes now, and Veronica still has no clue that they exist. Um, yeah, she's been so separate from everything. Yeah, like, Betty could have told her this. I don't know. Also, how does Reggie know this? Like, is Reggie still tied in I with I think the- Reggie still sells drugs. Okay. Or, like, if he well, doesn't still sell drugs, he's at least- connected enough to that you know scene that he would know but i feel like what you don't just quit selling drugs like once you're in that life you're kind of in that life yeah i also i really like the fact that we're getting some reggie i mean it's really transparent that they're doing it just because of the actors but at the same time i was getting kind of sick and tired of season two where for the most part you have the two main couples that are just happy and they're always together i really needed someone to kind of break up the party and I like the idea if if this show is gonna last more than three seasons everyone can't be happy all the time you need to have some intrigue there you need to mix up the couples a little bit and if if it's not gonna be Jughead and Betty then at least needs to be Archie and Veronica well it's like there's like a very established uh thing in shows where you can have one couple that is like the Chandler and Monica that's going to just be together but then the other couple has to be more on again off again because if they're all yeah. both just like together it just doesn't work so right and you can have Jughead and Betty be apart like they are right now or even break up and get back together as long as they're not really entertaining the fact of dating someone else like I mm-hmm. think we could go for a good portion of the rest of the season and have some real sparks with Veronica and Reggie that's not triggered because of her breakup with Archie. It's a separate thing. Yeah. And I'm totally fine with that because, as I've stated previously, Reggie is the hottest boy on the show. Yep. And Archie's boring. So, Ugh, plus he so had boring. his little thing with double L, whatever her name was from last episode. I don't know. Creepy farm girl. 69. 69. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> Never. Um... So Veronica wants Reggie. She tasks him with finding more out about um, Fizzle Rocks. And I'm like, girl, he already gave you a lot of info. Yeah. What more does he need to do? Yeah. I I just feel like she just is really taking advantage of him. Well, and here's my question about Fizzle Rocks versus Jingle Jangle. Are they just like the same drug, but they're just lacing a different candy? That would be great. Because they are, well, one one pops, I assume. I assume the Fizzle Rocks pop. But yeah, that's the Pop Rocks that they're lacing. Like, does the drug yeah. pop? Or do they just add, like, something to the Pop Rocks? And is it the same thing that they're adding to Pixie Sticks? Like, I, I don't know. But it seems like, <laughs> even if it is the same drug, it seems like a really natural upgrade. Because, like, Fizzle Rocks, like, I, or let's say, I would rather eat Pop Rocks than I would Pixie Sticks 10 times out of 10. I'd say like eight times out of ten. Oh, do you like pixie sticks? Sometimes. Every it's like I would so say powdery. maybe like once every three years, I like really want a pixie stick. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about it, but Pop Rocks are really very drug like in a lot of ways. Like just the like sort they look of crystal like, kinda like crystal meth. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think they sort of are affecting people differently though, because it seems like Fizzle Rocks, you know, cause hallucinations and jingle jingle seem to pretty much just make you like a party animal. I'm very curious as to the chemical, like, makeup of these two drugs, and I need more information. Well, I don't think we're ever going to find out how to create them. Is the next drug going to be, like, Sour Patch Kids? 
Will they be called Sour Patch Lads? Yes, it's canon. Sour Patch Lads are happening. <laughs> um, either that or it's going to be the one where it's like the sugar stick that you lick and then you dip in the little sugar pouch. Oh my god, yes. I don't remember what those are called, but that that's um, another good one. That fun dip. Like Fun dip, yes. Although I like the fun dip part, but I hate it when you then ate the like chalky stick thing. Yeah, no, you don't, you never eat the chalky stick. Well, what are you going to do with it? You I mean, throw it out. Candy. No, yeah. you've got to care about yourself enough to not eat that chalky, disgusting white stick. Ugh, gross. I haven't thought about fun dip in years. It's good times. Truly. So Cheryl and Veronica are back at school, and I always forget their BFFs until they're in a scene together. And I'm like, oh yeah, remember when you guys were not friends? Good old season one and two. But her her parents are leading a charge to shut down the school because of the mass seizure. And people think that it is somehow contagious. And then a bunch of people in blue hazmat suits come in. And uh, the then the principal's like, oh, there's one of the infected. And she runs away like it's the hot zone. Like when they go in to interrupt the supposed PTA meeting, why is the PTA just the Griffins and Gargoyles parents? Because name another parent in the town. I mean, they ex- they must exist. Was Reggie's dad there? Probably not. He's no. probably too ashamed to show his face anywhere he after what he did. He's probably too busy punching someone. Ugh, horrible person. Yeah, I don't know. I think that there's a finite number of parents that the show cares about. And even them, like we've said, they don't care enough to give them real plots or jobs. I think it really fits. And we have second week in a row of children calling out their parents and kind of none of the other parents really caring. Like, Veronica throws her dad under the bus about the fact that he's selling drugs, and he's just kind of like, oh, ha ha, I would never do that, silly child. I'm like, you just had another parent, you know, in this town be discovered for selling drugs. I I just think that if, if sketchy dude who just got out of prison and is buying up half the town and whose wife is the mayor and who seems to be connected with all police personnel in the town, if he is accused of selling drugs, somebody should be investigating that. Yeah, well, but also, you can't just go in and throw out, an, like, an accusation and then just expect everyone to believe it at the same time. Like, to me, Hiram being like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. It's like, yeah, you know what? That's what a real criminal would do. Yeah, and then Hiram says that he hired the guys in the hazmat suits. Like, but one thing if, his, if you know, if Hermione was like, oh, well, I hired them because, you know, I'm the mayor and that makes sense. But Hiram rando- randomly hiring them, I mean, that's so suspicious. Yeah, it is super sus. But, like, based on the other people in the room, none of them are going to question Hiram. I don't know. It just was weird to me. I mean, I'm trying to remember who was there. I mean, Alice was there. She should be questioning him. She's really lost her spark because, like, the first two seasons, she was, you know, constantly going after the Blossoms or Hiram or whoever. Just, you know, barging in. Remember when she, like, barged into that one place in the serpent outfit? Like, stuff like that. Um, In the red dress? Yes. Ugh, I want to do that in my life. I want to just walk into a party looking that hot and then just turn around and leave. That's all I need. I need that entrance. Yeah, so bring back that, Alice. Get rid of this one. And I, I was Fred Andrews in the room? I don't even remember. Was FP there? No, where's Fred? Like, literally, where is he? Is he working? I hope so. Well, we all like to believe that the parents have jobs and are working, but yet we have not seen any of that at all. They went full, full tilt 
non-realistic this season. Like, at least the past seasons were like, oh, Black Hood, whatever. But then there would also be, you know, scenes of them working at the newspaper or whatever. None of that this season. So Veronica and her dad talk, and he basically admits everything to her. You know, the the only thing he says is that he claims to not be the Gargoyle King, but he says that, that this is a biblical act he's doing, and it's been coming for years, which definitely makes us think that he's been thinking about this probably since he was a child and first ever played gar- uh, Gargoyles and, what is it called? Griffins and Gargoyles. Griffins and Gargoyles. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and he even says he wants what a king wants kingdom and a legacy and he hopes that she will join him and at this point i'm thinking you know strategically she really should just pretend to go along with him like take him down from the inside she every time she finds out one bit of dirt against him she just immediately calls him out on it like that's not like instead of telling your dad hey i know that you have a drug lab go tell like the i was gonna say the sheriff but you know that's not really gonna work i did like how like a couple times this episode someone would be like since when does this town have a sheriff? No law enforcement. How about rehire Sheriff Keller? How about that? Huh? Okay, but isn't it a thing where sheriffs have to be elected? Yes. So Like I feel like that's fr- I know that from Veronica Mars. So first of all, how did Sheriff Manetta ever get in there? He certainly wasn't elected. Maybe he was Well, I yeah, I don't know how it works if like can you have a period of time where there's no sheriff? I mean, I, there clearly isn't one right now. Um, also, we haven't had confirmation on, did Sheriff Mineta actually die, or did he, is he, like, hiding sure out somewhere? I'm sure he's dead. I, or he's gonna come back in, like, a, an All My Children style surprise, and it's gonna be phenomenal. Yeah, that would be great. Just something. And then, finally, Sher- uh, Veronica gets a call from Betty, and she's like, oh, hey, girl, where you been? No, it's been days, if not weeks. I, I'm pretty sure it's been a couple weeks. And she's like, oh, you're in the convent? She's like, oh, we just assumed you went to the farm. What do you What do you mean? You just assumed that. Like, like, why would you think Betty wants to go to the farm? Betty doesn't want to. Like, the second Archie gets sent to prison, Veronica's visiting him every day, making sure everything's okay, blah, blah, blah. But no, her friend disappears, and she's like, eh, whatever, I got stuff to do. But what I did like was that as soon as she knew Betty was in the convent, she was like, how do we break you out? Like, let's get you out now. And Betty's like, "Mm, I've got it. Yeah, she's got it. She's got Ethel now. I want to see Betty and Ethel be a new thing. It's going to be... No. Effie or Bethel. Bethel. Bethel's not terrible. Bethlehem. (laughs) Bethlehem. (laughs) It's very seasonal. Oh, it's almost biblical, you could say. Oh, wow. (laughs) Anyway, Cheryl has a mission to check Claudius because of the trucks, and they go and ask Penelope Blossom. They literally are, like, the most insane torture. (laughs) Well, this is the second time in this show we have had people being tortured by having syrup dumped on them. Like, only in Riverdale this would happen. If someone poured a bucket of maple syrup on me, I'm pretty sure I would just tell them everything and be like, please, I hate being sticky so much. Like, like it's evil. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we'll leave the door open so the ants can come in. Like, excuse me. That's terrifying. But also, it's like, it's too far. If you dump something viscous like that on you, like your eyes, it's going to be getting in your eyes and your mouth. And like, it's going to be hard to breathe through your nose. It doesn't just like drip off you easily. Like, honestly, I'm surprised that 
people do waterboarding instead of the maple syrup. Well, in the real they'll world, they'll take note, and this will be the new thing. Like, Riverdale, like totally, this has got to be against the Geneva Convention. Yeah, along with everything happening at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, or as it will now be known, <laughs> the Sisterhood of Quiet Mercy. She just kind of tells her that the town is going to be turned into a place of drugs and prostitution, and uh, it's going to be great. And they're like, "Wow, you're insane." And um, what happened to Flashback? Remember Flashback, Penelope, little kid Penelope? At what point did she cross over from, like, I'm scared of the outside world because of this game to, like, I legitimately have just the most bizarre values? I I don't know. Like, honestly, it just doesn't... I feel like I'm willing to give Penelope more of a pass because her past was just so traumatic. But I feel like we're missing a chunk. Like... Yeah, no, something else definitely happened. Yeah, I mean, I I can assume that her relationship with Claudius, not Claudius, what's her husband's name, the dude who died? Mm, Chuck? Cliff? Cliff. With Clifford Blossom. I can assume her relationship with him was not great, but it would have had to have been, I I don't know, she's a horrible mother and she seemed like a fine child until that point, so, oh well, it's not great. I don't know if we will ever know. Yeah. And then, uh, so they approach Kevin and the cadets and they're like, hey, y'all, we need to go ambush my mom. Also, the cadets all seem kind of drugged up at the time. They're all kind of giggling stupidly in Pops. Um, Again, with Pops, like, not kicking people out for doing drugs. He really should be doing that. Yeah, I like how Pop is allowed to be like, oh, yeah, I can't believe you had this casino night. This has always been a family place. But he's like, cool, drugs in the day? Awesome. Keep going. Yeah. So they ambush Hermione and they're too late. Apparently the order went out 10 minutes ago. What order? We'll get to that at the end of the next (laughs) segment. Ooh, suspense. I'm sure you didn't watch the episode or anything. I mean, here's the thing. I'm sure there are a lot of podcasts where someone could listen to the recap and not watch the show, but I don't really think that our recaps are that, that type. I'm sorry that you guys all have to watch Riverdale. Riverdale is just... No, Riverdale's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. And I can only assume that you, like us, watched the episode on Wednesday or Thursday and then have not thought about it at all until today, uh, which is the case for me, at least. So we'll see. Anyway, Archie and As we're now recording on a Monday when we normally record on Thursday or Friday. (laughs) So Archie and Jughead... Here is how I'm going to break down to you, because I know we discussed this, based on our canon, that Riverdale is set Mm -hmm. somewhere near Chicago. And based on what we know to be true, which is that Jughead's mother lives in Toledo. Okay? Okay, here's my question. Where is Toledo? Toledo's in Ohio. Okay. Okay, so... That doesn't help me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ohio... And it's fine. I'll Google it. Illinois are not terribly far apart. Okay, so okay. Based on that, I looked up on Google Maps. It would take three days to walk from near Chicago to Toledo. Reasonable, except for mm-hmm. one fact. We know for a fact that they took a detour to the Kent Farm, which is in Kansas, as we all know, which is a pretty <laughs> big detour. So factoring that in. We know that it has taken them 16 days to walk from Chicago to the Kent Farm and then back to Toledo, which is what we can only assume based on the canon of the CW shows has happened. 
Ergo. But weren't they on a train at one point? Okay, they got off the train. You're right. They were on a train. But they said that they got kicked off the train like days ago. So maybe we could shave off a couple days there. But they definitely didn't get back on the train in between Kansas and Toledo. So it has been somewhere between, if you want to factor the train in, 10 to 16 days. And that is how long I believe that Betty has been in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. There you go. Somewhere between two or one and two and a half weeks. So, look, math used by what the show has given us. I, you know what? I'm impressed. And honestly, that timeline kind of adds up with how long everything's taken with Betty, etc. And it makes Veronica look like such a trash friend. Right. It does. And for those of you wondering, at what point did we decide that Riverdale's in chicago i don't remember but i have a little sticky I'm note i'm pretty sure like the first episode probably somewhere around there i have a little sticky note that says canon tent city is behind fred andrew's house and they are in chicago that's what i wrote down and i'm adding <laughs> she does to that. i can see the poster <laughs> i'm adding to that list it took 16 days <laughs> to get to toledo <laughs> i can't wait to get this on a mug now I know what you're also thinking, but at the end of this episode, Jughead and his dad appear to drive back in a couple hours from Toledo to Chicago. Now, I could look that up, but I think I've made that trip before. I'm actually 100% sure I've made that trip before, and it takes, like, what? I want, I'm going to guess, like, four to five, maybe six hours. So doable. They yeah, could do it totally in the Totally doable. Now, I wasn't on a motorcycle at the time, but... I feel like motorcycles can go faster. It's very possible. Well, it's so weird that I've driven from Chicago to Toledo. Why was I doing that? I don't know, but I know it happened in my life. I don't even know where Toledo is. Well, I, I went to somewhere near Toledo. It was about an hour away from Toledo, but close enough. I, we've been through this. It's in Ohio. Yeah, that doesn't help me. <laughs> Okay. Well, look at look at your American I'll, geography. Yeah, I'm going to pull out a globe after this uh-huh. because that's the only way I will consume geography. Um and I'll I'll figure it out. Yes. Well, geography talk uh has been really fun. I love geography corner. <laughs> so Archie and Jughead, they arrive at the Jones Yard, which based on the preview of where we see Jellybean, I thought was like an auto shop. But it appears to be more of a junkyard slash... It's a chop shop. Yeah. Which, okay, not sure how this is a legitimate enough business that they're having all this money to, like, support all these children who appear to be here. It's not a legitimate business. It's a chop shop, and that's how they have the money. Okay. It's illegal. Well, Jellybean seems to be in pretty good shape for this. What did you think of the actress who played Jellybean? I was really hoping to see Jelly Bean, like, sneaking a cigarette, and that's the only thing that was missing from this. But she was tough, and I think the- She did good Yeah, job. the person they picked, um, she's tall, and uh, she has similar teeth to Cole Sprouse, so I felt like, it, yeah, I could believe that they're a family. They do a pretty good job on this show, making me think that people could be related. And uh, then we meet Jughead's mom, Gladys. And I just would like to say, I hate her. Her as a character or the actress yeah, playing? Yeah, I hate, I hate Gladys. Why? I just feel like she's a bad mom well, and a bad person, yeah. and I don't like her. And there's definitely something that we don't, that we're missing from this scenario, because 
she hinted to like, oh, I couldn't have you visit back in season two because of, or the end of season one because of something that happened. And she kind of like looked sketchily behind her. I kind of feel like maybe there was like a man in the picture and something was going on. I mean, either that or they were referring to the fact that FP was in jail. But if FP was in jail, that has nothing to do with Jughead. So, um, what I did like was when she immediately thought that Jughead and Archie were together. That was great. She's like, I always knew there was something there, and I died laughing. There were were two really great parts. First off, that, and second off, the fact that they weren't like, oh, no, of course not, haha. They just like, oh, yeah, no, we're just friends. Like, completely handled it great. They were smiling. Everything was, I'm, you know, big A+. Yeah, didn't make a big deal of didn't make a big deal yeah, of it, which no, is Yeah, it was good. great. I, I really like that. I, I'm big fan. They're probably like, man, everything would be a lot easier if we could just be together. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And they're like, you know what? We're not really together, but we're kind of together because we both just kind of dumped our girlfriends, or at least one of us dumped our girlfriend and the other one uh, hasn't bothered to call her in 16 days. So, meh. Well, they're life partners, for sure. Yes. Um, someone named Lugnut walks up and Jughead gives him a super weird look, so not sure what that's about, but possibly just the fact that she's supporting all these children and not him. Maybe he was seeing a little of himself in Lugnut and he's like, aw, you can have another kid around here who has a stupid name, but not me. Yeah, no, I think that's 100% it. Like, imagine your mom being like, no, you can't come stay with me. You have to live on your own. Uh, and then finding out that she is supporting a ton of people your same age, I would be devastated. Yeah, it uh, wouldn't be great, but Gladys also doesn't seem like the kind of person who, like, she doesn't seem like she's any better than FP is at being a parent, so. Meh. No, it doesn't seem, it just makes me feel bad for Jughead. Yeah, it does, but he's a big Poor boy. Jug. He'll be fine. Then they have a bonfire thing where they roast a pig and it's weird and her mom advises that they eat the cheeks. I don't know. I I was traumatized. And, uh, you know, then they discuss G&G and they argue about the serpents because, oh yeah, she's wearing a Toledo's serpents jacket. Once again, this is the third type of serpents we know. So we know for a fact there are south side serpents. There are, what were the other ones, like... Centerville. Centerville serpents. I was going to say Midtown serpents. Yeah, Centerville serpents. And now there are Toledo serpents. There's three types of serpents. Um, At least. I really thought Southside serpents were the only ones. So I, I just, just don't understand how gangs work. I don't understand how the serpents are like some sort of franchised gang. It, like, how do you start a chapter of the serpents? Apparently, you belong to the Jones family and then you just go somewhere else. And you're like, hey. Give me a serpent's jacket. Yeah, we can only assume that there's, like, an Uncle Jones over in Centerville. I, I am really surprised that at Weird Town with the Farm Girls 69, that there weren't, like, farm town serpents or something. Well, but there weren't any men. Remember. Well, there women's serpents. There's not that many of them. The serpents are a historically misogynist organization. Yeah, that's true. Then uh, then they talk about Penny Peabody for a hot sec because uh, we need that, like, ten seconds of foreshadowing before Penny Peabody pops up, like, to no one's surprise. I do hate Penny Peabody, too. Um, don't think you have to worry about her anymore. Pretty sure she was killed in this Good. episode. I'm not sure. Also, did you like the fact that his mom calls out his scar on his shoulder, which... 
I swear they edited in just for this episode. Like, he does have a scar on his shoulder, but that yeah. has not been there. No, they have not been showing it. They didn't bother doing the special effects makeup until it was relevant to the plot. So it turns out you can't cut off someone's skin and it just grow back. Yeah, uh, at least not of uh, episode eight. And meanwhile, Jellybean has a little thing with Archie where she's kind of flirting with him and then she saves his life with a slingshot. How very David and Goliath of her. How old is Jellybean? I don't know. I get the feeling. I'm trying to remember. I know they said in the first season they mentioned her age and I want to say it was like 11. So she could be like 12-ish. I don't know. She looks older than that. And kids these days look so old. Yeah. The problem is, like, realistically, she looks like 14 or 15 year old, except that's also basically how old Archie and Jughead are supposed to be. And I know she's supposed to be a bit younger. So my guess is she's supposed to be, the character's supposed to be like 11, I don't know, something like that. I, anyway, whatever. I don't understand why anyone is interested in Archie. He's not very smart. He's not that good looking. Probably just because it's the first boy besides Lugnut that she's seen in a while. Who has a somewhat normal name. Archie as a normal name? Hey, it's more normal than Lugnut. Lugnut, I assume, is a nickname. Well, her name is Jellybean, though. Do you think she wants normal? Um, she goes by JB now. Excuse me. I'm gonna call her Jellybean. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Penny is there, and and uh, she Gladys calls her Penny Slot, which is kind of funny. Um, I laughed. I laughed at yeah, that I one. laughed a little bit at that one, too. Um, and then they're going to carve her up again. And I this is the point where I was thinking, you better kill her because otherwise she's literally going to retaliate in the same way. I, I don't think this works. Her logic was, my son carved you up, so then you carved him up, him up, so now I need to carve you up again. No, they had eye for an eye. It was settled. You should have just left it at that. Think- no, I'm pretty sure they should have killed Penny a long time ago because she is a wild card. Yeah, they should have killed her back when he inis- initially cut off her Yeah, tattoo. like when they originally just like cut off the tattoo, I was like, this is not going to work out great for you. They should have just killed her then. Yeah. And then at this point, Gladys is washing her hands of blood and she has a little chat with her son and is somehow understands everything about griffins and gargoyles now and the whole point of everything she's like oh you left town and and they just chase you off the chessboard and you know it's not about ascending to the kingdom it's about claiming the kingdom actually i think jughead said that part but my point is like did she just come up with this all on her own like i'm sure penny gave her some bits but while she was torturing her she developed these huge theories about the town and this game that she's never experienced i think she got all of the information from Penny. She just, like, is such an effective torturer. Yeah. Like, she probably had buckets of maple syrup. This was a very torture-heavy episode. It's it's the only way they know how. Plus, I, I would say that tying up uh, Sister Woodhouse to that chair was also sort of a form of torture. Yeah, it was torture-heavy. So, yeah. Basically, everyone, everybody be torturing. What'd you think of Jughead once again wearing his same white tank top that he wears in every scene? I Like, are we ever going to get a shirtless Jughead ever? Have we had one? I don't want a shirtless Jughead because you know what? It's not going to... It's not going to be as good as you think it's going to be, or we would have seen it already. It's not not that I'm, like, building it up to be this big moment. It's more just... It's just cracks me up how often Archie is shirtless and how Jughead is, like, deliberately not shirtless. No, it's because if you look at Archie shirtless, you're like, he is an Adonis. 
he is carved from marble. And I guarantee you if we saw Jughead shirtless, it'd be like, first of all, he reflects all light because he's so pale. And second of all, he doesn't have the abs. So in whatever episode of Riverdale we were watching this weekend with my family, they someone, I think it was probably Veronica, mentioned that Archie was an Adonis. No, she mentioned that it's when Betty found out that she had a brother and he, she says, oh, he's probably a blonde Adonis off somewhere. And my sister, Laura, uh, did not n- know the concept of, uh, of an Adonis. She had not heard that reference before. So, fun facts. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that she won't understand this podcast episode that she's definitely yeah, listening to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Having not 100%. seen this season. She'll get to it yeah. eventually, maybe. <laughs> You'll make her, you're like, you will listen to my recap episode. Yeah. And then uh, Gladys is just like, hey, Jughead, you should probably ditch your friend, Archie. You remember the one I thought you were dating? Yeah, you should probably ditch him because he's the problem. Break up. And Archie's overhearing this, obviously, because he's Harry Potter. And I was half expecting this also to be like Archie just sneaks out and leaves without them noticing. Yeah. But instead he just immediately steps out there, which once again claps for this show not making me have these drawn out dramatic moments that like all other teen shows do so thank you for that yeah thank god like i've had enough of that yeah yeah but i kind of wish archie had just run away well yeah so but instead fred shows up uh it's it's kind of cute looks like gladys probably called him an fp and um fp wants to give a hug to her his uh his daughter uh, and she's like, yeah, I want a dad. And I'm like, girl, you are so indignant considering the fact that, like, Jughead doesn't have a mom and he didn't act like that. I mean, he kind of did, but. Yeah, but she's also 12. At best. 12 at best. Anyway. So Jughead gets his <laughs> jacket back, which, like, I guess he got rid of. We kind of skipped over the fact that a couple episodes ago, Jughead was, like, hardcore into the serpents and gargoyles and like power hungry and now he's kind of just ditched everyone like not only did he ditch betty he just really ditched the serpents what have fangs and sweet pea been up to they're probably totally who's in charge hopefully not them like they need they need someone to be in charge because they're not very smart i assume cheryl she's just generally in charge when everyone else leaves she's student body president uh honestly cheryl should just be running everything put on a red trench coat and get stuff done yeah yeah she really should be or or a hunting cloak they uh they say they don't have to worry about penny anymore so um this begs the question which parents in this show have not been involved with a murder yet just fred is it just fred Fred. fred's the only one okay well good to know I will assume that the mayor probably has something to do with the murder, but everyone else has either directly killed someone or at least been involved in a cover-up. And uh, FP has been involved in covering up two separate murders in this whole show, so. Honestly, I'm surprised it's only two for him. Well, I guess it depends if you include Joaquin as something that he might have had to also cover up recently. I don't know. We didn't really investigate that. Oh, JK, take it back. Fred and Sheriff Keller both found discovered the dead boys in the cave so yeah but they didn't cover it up they immediately called the authorities still my point is everyone has been involved in murder i don't think finding a body makes you involved in murder yeah well at least they called the authorities yeah they like did the right thing it's not like they were like okay cool now we have to dismember these bodies to really sort this out dismember 
That's not a word I wanted to do. Well, that's what Hiram would have done. Hiram would have been like, okay, cool. Let me get a saw. Let's do this. No, Hiram would have been like, let me go find a lackey to get a saw. Yeah, let's pay someone with a saw. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, Archie dyes his hair because it's just that easy to change your whole look. Why doesn't Archie shave his head? I don't know. And he's like, uh, and then his dad is like, hey, I'm going to go with you. And I'm like, dude, don't you have a job? He owns a business. Guess no one cares anymore. That business was such a big plot line for two seasons, and now nobody cares. Nothing. Doesn't matter. So, whatever. And then, like, I I get that the show wants us, is, like, happy that that Fred is on board with this whole plan, but, like, this is not good parenting to just let your son go traipse off to, I guess, Canada. I mean, he's safer in Canada than anywhere else, but, like, how is he supposed to take care of this dog? How's he supposed to pay for it? Well, yeah. Yeah, the dog situation, that's the other thing, is they give him Vegas. I'm pretty sure back in the beginning of season two, they made it very clear that his dad both took care of and loved the dog more than Archie. So I'm not really sure what this is besides the fact that it's just going to lead to a dead dog plot line that I'm not looking forward to. No, I can't handle a dead dog plot line on this show. I can handle torture. I can handle murder. I can handle dismembering. I cannot handle well, a dead dog. And, and, unless the dog is going to be somehow crucial at some point and like sniff The dog's going to like save his life probably and kill someone else. Maybe, but, but okay. I can't wait for the dog to bite Hiram in the throat. <laughs> and that would be great. Him. Like straight up dire hound <laughs> version of dog. Yes, absolutely. The, the thing that just doesn't make sense is uh, you said that he's safer in Canada. Why? He He's no longer on the run for murder. Like he was cleared of that. So... It seems like Hiram really only cares about him being in Riverdale. He's out of Riverdale. He is at least a three days walk away at this point. And I know they sent Penny after him, but that's it. Like, who else does he have to send after him? I mean, he has endless money and resources to send people after Archie. I just feel like Canada with, like, the welfare state is just, like, a safer place to be in general. Everyone should move to Canada. Well, that seems a little bit biased on your part. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure I'm 100% unbiased in this. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Jughead and FP come home and to find the town has been quarantined because that's a thing that happens, I guess. Yeah. Remember how I said that, uh, Hermione had already made the call? The call apparently was to quarantine the town. And back when Betty and all the children are escaping the s- asylum... Yeah, they start hearing sirens. So, I don't know. Well, and then you get Hiram on the phone with what I presume is the governor of, I guess, Illinois. Governor Dooley. (laughs) In case you're wondering. And he's like, yeah, I hope we made the right call. And then it seems like the governor also is involved in the Scriffins and Gargoyles. Yeah. So either the gargoyle is, or the gargoyle, the governor is from Riverdale originally and maybe got involved in the game or the game has spread that far. Uh, he's doing his best, he said, to keep the outside world at bay. Um, and then hire. But why? I, I don't know. I Why though? It, it's one thing to have like a legit business plan of buying up a town and making a jail and even possibly selling drugs. But it, it seems like a bad business plan to then section the town off from the rest of the world. Like, you can't, even if you had everyone in the town addicted to this drug and paying you, 
And there's just so many flaws in this plan. Like, I'm also confused of what happened with that mass seizure. Why was Cheryl the only one in a cheerleading outfit who is not affected? Why was it just cheerleaders? Like, why? Is there a supernatural aspect? Well, there must I, be. Like, I don't get it. I, but but we're led to believe most of this stuff is triggered by drugs. Also, we were led to believe, at least our theory, was that the, se- the seizures had something to do with the farm. So... I don't know. And and we know that Veronica hasn't been taking Fizzle Rock, so I don't know why she was having that, but... Nothing makes any sense. No. I would really like to hear other people's theories because I don't have that many. I just want the episodes to come out so that we can talk about them. Yes. Well, speaking of which, this episode title, Outbreak, I'm pretty sure is referencing the 1995 movie by the same name. Uh, An army doctor struggles to find a cure for a deadly virus spreading throughout a town in California that was brought to America by an African monkey. Well, and I bet that town gets quarantined. So, to recap, the new characters from this episode, we had Jellybean, Gladys, Lugnut, and Governor Dooley. Pretty sure that was all the new ones. Um, you know, Sister Woodhouse. Was that her name? I don't even remember. Woolhouse? Yeah, like I that. think so. She uh, had a bigger part, and the short-haired girl in the asylum also did, though we never got a name for her. That's sad. We had actually a lot of thoughts and or questions brought up by listeners this week. So just to read through some of those, uh, Gregory McBean said, Did Cheryl, Veronica, Reggie, etc. not notice that Betty and Jughead have been nowhere to be found? Uh, yeah. Seems like they have just been completely off the radar of everyone. No one just cares. Just trash friends. Yeah. That do not care. Yeah, and I I can't think of it right off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure there were at least, you know, three or four different episodes in the first two seasons that were entirely dedicated to the plot line of, like, where is this person? They haven't been around much. We haven't been speaking. Why aren't they answering their phone? And now they just don't care. And on that note, guys, just check on your friends. If you haven't heard from them in a while, give them a call. Yeah. Yep. He also asks, how many episodes before something happens between Veronica and Reggie? So let's make a bet because our last bet I was extremely off of. I thought that it was going to be three episodes before Archie was out of prison. And I'm pretty sure it ended up being, what, five or six? I think five. It was like five. Something like that. So a lot longer. So what do you want to qualify as something happens between Veronica and Reggie? Because there's definitely been like a little Um, bit of interest already in the air. There have been some looks. Yeah. So I think they have to, at the, at the least, they have to make out. Okay. Um, what about, like, one kiss? Is that enough? One kiss is okay. enough. So touch and lips. I think it might not be the next episode, but I think by episode 10. I would, yeah, I would say if we put the over under at 1.5 more episodes, I would take, I, I would take the over, but only just. Yeah, only just. I, it's going to be soon. I, I think that, uh, I think that we need to have something happen with that so that by the time Archie comes back, which, gosh, I don't know if I even want to make a guess on that because I was so off last time, but Archie can't be completely separated from the entire rest of the story. Like, the show is called Riverdale, so we need to be... Yeah, so can we write Archie out of it? Like, Archie could just get written off the show. I would love if the show, based off of a comic about a boy picking between two girls ends up with neither of those girls with that boy and he's just out of the picture (laughs) nothing would make me happier um that would be really great uh i I mean i think we definitely have one good episode of archie in canada and i assume that he will i mean here's the issue is that if he meets any interesting characters there you would assume they're probably going to be 
like a plot line unless he meets someone and this someone is just kind of like oh you don't know how good you had it with your father and your town and your friends you should go back there and he's like old man in the woods yes i indeed need to go back and help out my town um okay a few things what accent is that first of all I wouldn't be surprised also if, like, the girl from the farm made another appearance. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, you know, that seems like pretty big casting for just one episode. I can't imagine he would trust her again since she frying panned him. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But anyway. Never trust someone who frying pans you. Gregory also says Archie has a hard time taking care of himself. Why would anyone trust him with a dog? Exactly. He has shown no responsibility towards his dog or any of anyone else. Or anything. Yeah, ever. So that's why I said beware for possible dead dogs. I feel like the dog will take care of him more than anything. Yeah. That dog yeah. is his dad now. Yeah. He says, do we think a border is going to keep Archie from getting caught? Is Quebec that much safer? Quebec, is that is that the closest place above Chicago? I don't actually know uh, my yes? Canadian geography very well. Where's Quebec? Uh, it's, it's Quebec. Quebec, sorry. Quebec. Just for Gregory. But there's a U. Um, there's a U in it, right? Yeah, but it's French. It's Co- weird. Quebec? Quebec. Okay. I've been schooled. Thank you for that information. I, and I, I just was trying to help you, just like how you tried to help me with Ohio and it didn't work. <laughs> I would say that Quebec is, like, not very welcoming of outsiders sometimes, so... Don't know. It might not be might not be that much safer. I really don't think he's got any unless someone new randomly pops up or okay, this could be where Sheriff Minetta comes back if he's not actually dead. He just like appears in Quebec. Yeah. I mean, why not? It could happen. You know what? I would love that. I would be living for that. Archie just getting written out of the show somehow is my new like dream ending for this show. Like for him to get murdered or just leave forever like bye Archie see you never (laughs) yeah yeah um uh Greg and I agree that personally we think that outside of Riverdale he's gonna be safe from Hiram anyway I don't know Hiram has a lot of money and resources the only saving grace is Hiram now has a kingdom to worry about oh right I I forgot about that just like this land of splendor Riverdale (laughs) yeah so we also got several write-in comments from my friend Hannah Elam, who says she thinks two 15-year-olds moving in with the significant other, Cheryl and Tony, uh, would probably not happen realistically. Uh, that is correct. It would it would not happen realistically. She is forgetting that Cheryl is an emancipated mi- emancipated minor and uh, Tony, I guess, is an orphan. So there are no rules there. Uh, yeah. And, um, and Cheryl's four-poster bed is Tony's four-poster bed. That's right. Just the four-poster bed. Nothing else in the house or the room. Just that area. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and, uh, Tony wants to be the big spoon, which, you know, who doesn't sometimes? Me? Who ever wants to be the big spoon? I feel like there's more, like, breathing room. Although your back is Here's... all exposed, which I don't appreciate. Here's the thing about me. I exclusively want to cuddle with someone who is at least six inches taller than me, and I have to be the little spoon. Wow. Guess we're not cuddling anytime soon, then. I mean, I can make exceptions for a platonic sleepover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, We both got points because Jellybean was in this episode, which I had predicted 
back in episode three of the podcast, so I get points for that. And you get some points for there being a slight Buffy reference, because Cheryl referenced Hellmouth, so... And there was a stake! You're right, and there was a stake, <laughs> so there's... That's like my favorite thing to think about in Buffy because, and this isn't a spoiler for you, don't worry, Buffy will stake a vampire and then they just like throw the stake away and I just like imagining like children going to play in the park in Sunnydale and then they just like are finding these sharp stakes everywhere and it's like a crisis where children are finding weapons. So is she having to just make a whole bunch of new stakes? Can you not use a stake twice? Like, I'm sure that you can, but she just always seems to, like, be pulling them out and, like, throwing them down. And I, it's, like, my headcanon is that, like, kids are finding them and it's a real problem. <laughs> it's like in Game of Thrones when they stab people with the dragon glass and then they just sort of, like, throw it away. And I'm like, wait, no, get that. You you might want that again. Don't, don't yeah, lose Like, it. this is a rare resource. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Hannah's biggest argument, she says... The adults just give in and give information away to the kids so much. There are two instances of kids tying up adults and probing them for information in this episode. And they're just like, okay, we'll tell you what you want to know. Like, what? Are they just able to overpower the adults? Also, Hiram is just like, yep, you were right um, about everything. Yeah, so I'm sure he would just admit that to his child. What if she had been wearing a wire or something? Okay, first off, good point. Veronica should be wearing a wire at all times because her dad keeps confessing to things. Absolutely. Um, and yes, we, we already talked about how torture heavy this episode was. But yeah, I'm two adults being tied heavy. up and they immediately are just like, huh, might as well tell you what's going on. Yeah, like these adults for all of the stuff they do and like they probably think they're so tough and hard. They fold so fast with just like the lightest torture from a teenager. Yeah. Teenage torture, you know? Yeah. Well, the teenagers are really ruling this town. So, well, I mean. It's wild. It goes like Hiram and then the teenagers and then every other parent around. Honestly, there's probably like a gap for like their dogs before the rest of the parents. Probably. Probably. Does anyone (laughs) else have dogs? I mean, what happened to Hot Dog? Like he was around. Yeah, they were so worried about Hot Dog, but where is he now? They should have just left him with the ghoulies. Let's think back for a second to the first episode of this season. Okay. And there were several I don't remember there it. were several things mentioned in the first episode of the season that have just not come to pass and it seems so far away from where we are. Uh everything with Moose and Kevin, the fact that something was supposed to happen by Halloween and we can only assume it is still mid to late October. Um the uh the fact that Betty was the serpent queen and um oh those kids floating above the fire uh the farm oh yeah i forgot about the floating kids yeah i don't remember anyway basically a lot oh hot dog and then hot dog getting rescued for which seemed so important at the time um also the ghoulies and whatever beef they have with the serpents still even though they appear to have all of the south side i don't know i feel like we still got a lot of loose ends that need to be tied up here yeah there's definitely a lot So let's go ahead and say, who do you think the most normal person of the week was? Good luck. It's a hard one. Okay. I've got a good one. Okay. I think it was Tony. Tony. Tony's like, I just had a seizure. Let me out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's pretty good. She does want to move in with Cheryl, which we've discussed. They're a little young, but she also doesn't really have a whole lot of other places to live. So makes sense. 
She's trying to get out of Tent City any with by any means necessary. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I think Tony is probably the best answer. I think you could make some arguments for Alice. She didn't do anything too crazy. But I think Alice is just so far away from her normal self that... She's too far gone. Yeah. I relish the day that we can say that Alice is the most normal person of the episode. At least normal for how we, you know, love and yes. have expected her to be. So I just miss... Alice so much because she is far and away I think my favorite parent on the show she brings me so much joy when she is herself and she just hasn't been there yeah she really hasn't so uh to recap in case anyone has forgotten now that we are halfway through the season uh, in episode one we gave that to the judge or Polly episode two we gave it to the ghoulies collectively episode three went to Fred Andrews Four was young Alice. Five was Hermione Lodge. Six was Gloria, who I have already forgotten who Gloria is, but apparently she was the most normal character. <laughs> Who's Gloria? <laughs> I don't know. Someone remind me who Gloria is in the comments, please. Please tell us who Gloria um, is. Episode seven was Pop, and episode 3.8 is Tony. Although I just realized I wrote pops for episode 3.7. That's not correct. Grammar. It was just pop. Anyway. Hop on pop. Um, so now I would like to really quickly do something which is going to be mid-season superlatives. And these are not super binding, but I think it would be fun to do these now before the break. And then at the end of the season, we can come back and reassess and see if our answers are still the same. So, yes. We've talked about this a lot, and I think we're probably going to come up with a pretty easy answer, but who so far has been the most disconnected from the rest of the reality of the show? Uh, well, it's got to be Veronica, right? Yeah, I, I think you could arg argue Archie also, just because there was so long when he didn't know about the whole Griffin's Gargoyle thing, but I think Veronica oh, yeah. also didn't really know about it at that point. She at least... And she had no excuse not to yeah. know because she was out and about. Yeah, so I think really when you look at it... Veronica is the one who has just not seemed to be like I don't know what she's doing she was so obsessed with getting Archie out of jail that she was just oblivious to every single other person around her and she like and now that Archie's out and he left her she's still oblivious about so much stuff yeah girl get your get it together like she talks to Cheryl and she talks to Reggie and she yells at parents and that's it so yeah I I think we can both agree on that who was the most shocking death so far? And if you need a refresher, Ben, Dilton, Joaquin, uh, who else has died? Um, Penny probably Peabody. Penny Peabody and Sheriff Manetta. Sheriff Manetta, possibly, question mark, but we'll count it because at least in the canon of the show, he's dead. And we could probably estimate that Mad Dog is probably also dead at this point. Uh, oh, and uh, the warden. Yes, and warden. Um, I think out of all of those, the one that I didn't see coming, I mean, I really didn't expect after the first episode for them to be like, oh, yep, Dilton died. So that was kind yeah, of shocking. Yeah, I, I remember us talking about it. We were like, oh, yeah, Benjamin Button is going to be dead. But Dilton, they won't kill Dilton. And then they did. Yeah, so, so. The, the fact that I didn't see that one coming could be argument. Also, okay, in terms of actual death scene being shocking, though, Ben jumping out the window was pretty shocking. Yeah, that was very jarring. And then also, I did not see, expect Joaquin to die just mid-episode like he did. So any one of those three, I think, are probably the most shocking. Uh, Penny should have died a long time ago, and uh, the warden yeah, no. wasn't 
too shocking, so. No. Um, yeah, I think we, we could go, we could go with any of them. What do you think? I think just for the fact that we really, really didn't think Dilton was going to die and he was the character that we had known most recently. Like, we actually got a fair amount okay. of him. What? Yeah, and we literally were podcasting how we didn't think he was going to die and then he was dead. So, yeah, I think, yeah maybe I Dilton. I think Dilton's probably the most shocking. Okay. Oh, another death you could think about if you wanted to is the principal from the flashback. But Yeah, I was thinking it, that too, but I was like, you know what? I don't think that counts. No, it's not super shocking either. And, like, we weren't surprised. Yeah. Um, who had the best kiss? Was it, uh, I'm trying to remember, were there any really awesome kisses? I mean, FP and, um, Alice probably kissed, but I'm more angry with that than I was, (laughs) like, giving it any kind of reward. I mean, I don't remember any kisses being especially remarkable this season. Um, I mean, there was the the great kiss between F-head. Um... I don't feel like we should reward yeah, that. Yeah, there's just really nothing so far. We might have to leave this one blank until we can think of anything. But, yeah, I really don't – I don't remember there being – like, yeah, if anyone can think of any, like, particularly good kisses this season so far, please let us know. There was the Joaquin and The Joaquin Archie, Archie kiss. kiss. But that was so brief. Yeah. I, I, the main thing is I just don't even remember – You know, you know what? The best kiss might be – What? Oh, and now Kevin and, and uh, Moose. Yeah, I was about to say, they've actually had a couple pretty good kisses. So I might I might want to give it to Kevin and Moose. Just because, yeah. like, the time in this show for good kisses would have been, we had two couples go their separate ways, and there were no really good goodbye kisses. Um, and I'm definitely not rewarding Archie and Veronica for their, like, weird sexual no. experience conjugal visit. Not, not absolutely not so yeah i think i think moose and kevin um yeah either during episode one or possibly during this episode i'd have to honestly back. the one in this one they're in their rrotc uniforms it's, it's pretty hot yeah i think that's a good one i okay. i preach that one so perfect preach yeah um okay what has been the most ridiculous subplot so far oh my god there have been so many so there's ridiculous in terms of like so unresolved it's not even funny i i think i know what my vote is going to be for but here are some that i can just throw out there uh the farm um the 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 children's version of the farm the teenage farmies um the uh a lot of these like that i thought were going to be subplots like i thought the whole griffins and gargoyle thing was going to be a subplot turns out it's not you could say ethel being in love with the gargoyle king or ethel being in love with jughead could also be subplots archie in a fight club was sort of a short one but i think my favorite subplot so far has just been fp not having a job extended to all of the dads not having jobs i mean i don't think that's a subplot it's a subplot in my mind (laughs) for you it is yes um i was gonna say the most the most ridiculous subplot very well could be Veronica's casino night to save her businesses. I, I would even say, okay, Veronica's casino night and or the the bon oui, le bon oui being like a nightclub that Josie sings at that happened like one time. Yeah. So Veronica's yeah. three businesses. What's the third business? <laughs> I guess it's the casino night. So yeah, you know what? Casino night. Probably because I, the dad's not having jobs is a big deal for you, but it's not a big deal for the show. All right, well, I'm adding another superlative called most infuriating, most infuriating headcanon. Yeah, the dads are unemployed. 
And you know what? I will co-sign that. Dads have no jobs. Yep. Uh, that's that's mine so far. Okay. And I'm I'm fine with that. For our final one, what? Who is the character so far this season that we wish we saw more of that we just haven't gotten enough of yet? Hmm. Kevin. Yeah, it's probably Kevin, especially now that he's main cast. Uh, Kevin or Josie. Um, yeah. So I think Kevin is a good pick for that. Mostly just because we had all this stuff that we thought Kevin was going to get to this season, and then he just didn't. So, I don't know. Ugh. I guess there's the second half. Also, is this a weird spot for a mid-season finale eight episodes into a 22-episode season? Yeah, it, like, shouldn't... There's two weeks where they just skipped giving us episodes, and... It would have made a lot more sense after 10, I think, but I can only assume that they wanted it to stop at this point in the plot and that things are just going to escalate wildly from here until the end of the season. I hope so. I mean, I guess there's not really as many springtime Wednesdays that could be affected by TV schedules. Um, And uh, this isn't Survivor, so it's not like we can get a double episode, but I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. It's confusing. I don't know. So that's pretty much it for this episode. I do want to mention that we have some plans in the works to go back and watch season one. And we need to figure out exactly how we want to go about doing that. Do we want it to be spoilers? Spoiler free? Is it going to be a mixture of both? And I think... uh we should let the audience let us know what they want. Yeah. Like, we could do where it starts spoiler-free, and then we do a spoiler section at the end. That or... might be easiest. I think we're, we're not going to be able to pretend like we haven't already seen the show. But we can refrain mm-hmm. from referencing specific things in case anyone wants to start listening to the podcast for the first time at that point. Um, yeah. And then we can, you know, have a short section. The episodes are most likely going to be a little bit shorter podcast-wise than these have been, just because we can't hypothesize as much. Um, but we can look back and see if there's anything interesting. Uh, I, I remember the first season, at least, the episodes were a bit more concise. So expect probably shorter podcasts. But if anyone has any particular things from the first season they want us to touch up on or they want to go back and rewatch with us, please let us know. The next episode does not come back until January 16th of season three. So we've got a little bit of time. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, we'll need to figure out how to go about that. Definitely is. Um, You can follow us online until then, and that's the best place to leave us any comments that you have for our future projects or anything you want to talk about from season three. And we can predict things together, you know, because I basically just like to steal other people's predictions. If I see something smart, I trick myself into thinking that I came up with it. It's kind of how I roll. You are a monster. <laughs> um, but you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. Um, you can also follow KowskiCast in general online at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K. Uh, Kirsten, yes. where can they follow you? And you can follow me on every platform at Kirsten Said What. So feel free to also leave us iTunes reviews if you are interested. We got two last week that we can mention here. Uh, no surprise, this one is from Greg three 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 three. There's a lot of threes at the end of this number. Um, I want to know the significance of the threes, Greg. <laughs> yeah, please let us know why there's so many threes. Uh, Greg says Mary and Kirsten do a great job at recapping such a ridiculous show like Riverdale. Makes watching the show a hundred times more enjoyable. Thank you for that. 
Thanks, Greg. For us, podcasting makes the show a hundred times more enjoyable. So much more enjoyable. Like, literally, I don't know if I could watch it if we weren't talking about it. Yes. And then we have another review by, oh, was it? Oh, hi there, Megan, that says, sarcasm and hilarity. Kirsten and Mary are hilarious and amazing recapping Riverdale each week. Some great quotes from Kirsten and Mary. Archie, he's just not smart. Archie, he got bested by a lady with a frying pan. And point me in the direction of the fan fiction that answers all my questions. I think Megan likes you better than me. I think those are all you quotes. I'm pretty sure you said Archie, he's just not smart. But you might have also said the thing about the frying pan. I don't remember. No, I'm sure you said that. (laughs) That sounds familiar. (laughs) Like it was something I put at the end of an episode. So it shouldn't be too hard to find out. But we definitely both discussed that. So... Anyway, thanks for the reviews, guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And everyone else, leave us a five-star review. Yeah, get ready. Come on. <laughs> what are you waiting for? All the cool kids are doing it. Yeah, nothing if not shameless at trying to plug and, and get some more <laughs> listeners. So, Yeah, I saw some people tweeting about Riverdale the other day, and I was like, hey, just a thought. Trakowski cast. Did you know those people at all, or was that just completely random? Yeah, no, they're I'm mutuals with them on Twitter. Oh, okay. Like, they're not just strangers. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, wow, Kirsten <laughs> is just looking, you're just trolling Twitter for... for yeah, I'm just gonna search the word Riverdale and reply to every single person tweeting about it with, hey, have you heard of Kowski cast? That's cow with a K. Oh, that's okay. I, I took a Survivor reference this week. They mentioned um, Revenge Rice, and I said uh, that I podcast about the show revenge hashtag rice <laughs> on Kowski cats i love yeah, it exactly and for those a uh, few revenge listeners out here i have plans to probably next week maybe the week after do a revenge podcast with my sister so there'll be at least one of those over winter break i'm gonna force that out of her if it's the last thing i do come on laura yeah thank you guys all for listening and we will be back soon with the first episode of season one Bye, Archie. See you never. Everybody be torturing.